one of the most promising things right now is the automotive space, you know, and see how you can maybe interact with your car from your home or how to interact or interact with your car when you are driving, you know, because this is also from security reasons and accessibility and like convenience reasons. One of the, I would say right now and for the future, these like out of home on the go use cases are really, really interesting. And a lot of companies are investigating right now how they cannot just only conquer the, the living rooms, you know, and bathrooms and the kitchen, but also outside, you know, outside your apartment. Hi, I'm Tim Kala, and you're listening to Gut Talks, double G-U-double-T. Hi, everyone. Maria here, and welcome to season two of Gut Talks, double G-U-double-T, a podcast focusing on business and tech for good, experience design and gut feelings. I'm Maria, designer, strategist, and venture builder running Gut, double g UWT, a design and innovation hub. I decided to launch Gut Talks as the pandemic hit with an ambition to educate, put some karma on the board and feature entrepreneurs, industry leaders and investors who deserve recognition and have inspiring stories to tell. Feel free to email me if you need me, maria at gut.com, or check the links in the show notes. If you haven't noticed, there are no sponsors for the show. But you can still support Gut Talks, and it's super easy. Just leave a five-star review and a comment. And follow our social media channels on LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, and the Telegram channel. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get started. Our guest today is Tim Kalle from Germany. He's a voice UI UX designer, a techie, and co-founder of 169 Labs. He creates voice user interfaces. He's an Alexa champion and is one of the top 40 influencers or AI influencers in the world. So, Tim, thank you so much for being on Gut Talks. Thanks for having me, Maria. Very proud to be a guest in your podcast. Thank you. How are you first? I know you've <laughs> been traveling a lot lately. I'm doing good. Actually, one of the first business trips since the beginning of the pandemic. And it's been really crazy somehow because I haven't been using train connections and it's still annoying <laughs> to travel by a train in Germany. You know that story maybe from Deutsche Bahn, but it's been refreshing somehow because like visiting different cities, I've been to Munich and, and Hamburg and I'm based out of Cologne. So yeah, been to the south and the north of Germany and it's it's been refreshing too, yeah, to see something different again. And let's kick this off. Actually, I probably told you that I was so looking forward to finding <laughs> someone who deals with voice user interfaces and, you know, AI and so on. And it's something I mentioned in one of my podcasts also, where we were talking about the voice in general, just voice mm -hmm. when you're presenting and how you communicate yourself and so on. And then this was just part of the conversation. So I'm really glad I found you thanks to the Adobe XD extended team sort of yeah. and jay so let's say hello to jay here <laughs> let me know who's tim first of all there are more than 40 people <laughs> across the globe working on voice uh, uis or are somehow voice ai influencers 
but I'm really honored to be nominated one of the top 40 according to section of, of Soundhound. But you're right, it's different to find or difficult to find people who are like so much into it and running a business around that whole ecosystem. And I founded 169 Labs um, together with my business partner, Dominic, who's based in, in Munich. Uh, by the end of 2016, almost when Alexa was introduced in Germany. And uh, we've seen like Alexa being part of a Netflix series you now back in the days. And I've seen that there's something going on in the US market and thought, okay, when this will be shipped to Germany, and there were a few, including us, who were able to get some sort of sneak peek of the device by shipping it into Germany, really, really cost expensive. But yeah, we've seen that we have had that device into our hands and we thought, okay, this, when this, there might be something in it, you know, and it's so magical to like just control your, your environment via voice. We thought, okay, we should be doing something there. And uh, with my background in conversational interfaces previously, before I co-founded 169 Labs, I've worked on several like chatbot products. I'm in a startup where we created like Facebook Messenger bots, a platform for that. And I had some sort of experience already in that conversational interface space. And together with the technical background of Dominic, we thought, okay, this might be a good good fit, you know? And yeah, that's where we we started the journey of, of 169 Labs. And it all began at the hackathon here in, in Cologne, where we just joined out of curiosity and actually won that hackathon. And that was like the first step into that ecosystem world of voice. That's really cool, actually, because you, you found this kind of gap in the market and you thought there's an opportunity here. Let's do explore it, do something about it. And then the nice part also is you don't always find people who actually keep doing what you know whatever they went to do at a hackathon and it's mm -hmm. a, it's a nice story because it's not that it doesn't happen but it's very rare to find at least i came across i'm involved in hackathons and startup ecosystems here and so on and it's a nice story i didn't know it, that one <laughs> yeah it's it's been really really fun and we thought okay let's let's try uh, let's give it a try let's visit that hackathon and see how the community is around that space and who's actually judging there and see if we can connect to them, you know, and get some, some first business contacts in that actual community or, or world of voice technology. And by winning that hackathon, we got our first introduction to Amazon because someone of the Amazon Alexa team from Germany was judging there and they approached us and were asking, hey, are you going to follow that idea or are you working on that actually? And yeah, we had a look at each other and said, yeah, we are actually a voice agency. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, and that's where when we decided to like put everything away previously, you know, we've been working on website designs and development uh, of apps and all that stuff and digital products in general, but we thought it might be good to focus on that, yeah. put everything away, keep the experience, you know, and working on different platforms and technologies, but let's just put one single service on our website that's just called voice technology and not apps, website designs, social media consultancy and all that stuff, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and actually to whoever is listening to this, especially people who also, you know, participated in hackathons or joined or want to join, 
this is real. So <laughs> the story of Tim and 169 Labs is yeah. real. So yeah. can we just set the scene a little bit? Because I think maybe not everyone's super familiar with voice mm. UI and Alexa and all the chatbots and everything you've been mentioning. Can you just set a little bit the scene about what is voice UI? What is Alexa and so on? Sure. We distinguish between like the first generation or wave of voice technology or voice interactions and some sort uh, of the, the second or the new generation of voice assistants because voice interactions or conversational interfaces are not new to us you know it goes back to the 1950s or so when people first like, talked or interacted to with their computers via voice and we all know this the series of star star trek and all the voice interactions there where people <laughs> talk to their surroundings but with like the developments and improvements of machine learning ai and cloud computing got more like efficient and it's not that expensive anymore you know that was like the the foundation layer for making that technology possible or accessible for a broader audience you know and i mean these little devices many people have at their homes right now called smart speakers they are very small super tiny computers just you know and they just have a microphone and internet connection and some low quality speakers most of them but that's all you need you know and the rest is happening in the cloud you know and with the these all these improvements in in these several disciplines you need to transcribe spoken words you know and detecting intents and all that stuff so what we do is in our business or what i'm doing like day in day out is helping companies to explore their opportunities in that yeah in that new ecosystem of voice assistance mainly amazon alexa google assistant samsung bixby and now let's say for the last 12 or 18 months also in other technology like call centers you know where we have the ivr interactive voice response machines you know where conversational interfaces or voice ui also takes place or happens in just when you call us you know a service line somewhere and talk not, not only to people but maybe also to to machines already and we try to identify business opportunities here due to various reasons you know image being a first mover, you know, in that space, but also seeing a serious opportunity there to reach more customers or existing customers and giving relevant information and the benefit and added value to their products. Yeah, I want to go back a little bit to if you're on the creation or you're setting up your business. When you came across these devices and saw this opportunity, looking at the American market, was it kind of a gut feeling for you to say, this is what I want to do and this is the one kind of service we want to provide? Or was it just the hackathon that made you go for it? My question here is just trying to see if you did follow your gut somehow in your decisions and this decision. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, the hackathon was like the last push in the absolutely right direction. And when I look back, it was the absolute the best decision to take the risk and be confident that there is something going on or will something be in it for us to create a business model of yeah, based on voice technology. And we first had our company name, you know, 
and then explored some different verticals and had the best gut feeling when it came to voice. And when this person approached us and asked us, do you want to follow that idea? Are you working full-time on that? We haven't had talked about this and discussed this before. You know, we just looked into our eyes, you know, uh, Dominic yeah. and me and said, yes, we are a voice assistant agency, you know, starting okay. right now. And that's something we didn't say, but we thought now we should follow that okay. gut feeling. So you got this kind of validation as well from uh, yeah. the people there. Okay. Yeah. How is it with your clients though? Like, let's break this down a little bit. How hard or challenging or easy, you know, was it to get started to sell this kind of service to clients? I'd say the, the first year when the whole technology was new to all of us, you know, here, especially here in Germany, it's been, there's been no business right from the beginning. You know, we traveled a lot. We visited a lot of conferences, asked to, to speak at conferences and share our like ideas or our vision that we have for the German and European market. We read a lot and connected to other people from the US and other countries who are already working on voice UI and voice technology. And so I'd say the first year almost the whole first year we just invested you know in getting a broader overview of the whole market you know and i would say by the end of the first year from previous jobs we had and our background in media we got our first gig and and worked on a little small use case that we've been able to publish on amazon alexa and we saw ourselves more as a studio in the very in the first months you know we created our own Alexa skills, you know, and publish them to learn about the technology and the design challenges and the limitations of the platform too, you know, and have real data that we can bring into discussions and negotiations with our customers or with potential customers, you know, to talk about real experience we already collected during the first months, you know, and not just selling an idea and talking about something you have no experience about, you know. Now, you've been doing this since 2016. How did you see the market change with regards to voice UI? Because, look, I also yeah. worked in consulting, for example. Chatbots were a super big thing a few mm -hmm. years ago. Like, everyone wanted to do a chatbot. And voice obviously came after, but slowly, slowly. Mm -hmm. What's kind of the value proposition to clients? Do they come for this? Why do they come? What kind of scenarios or use cases they mm. want? What is the value they're going to provide to their customers, for example, using voice UI? Yeah, in the beginning, it was more or less because there were no dedicated departments, you know, for that in companies. Yeah. That was like when social media was introduced, you know, someone somewhere in, in the company was nominated, you are now the social media guy, you know, and this, the same happened when Amazon Alexa and all that started. Maybe someone who already had experience in these chatbots and chatbot projects was moved or nominated to do voice too. But in the beginning, there were like only like marketing budgets and they were like, okay, we have to step into that field and we have just like throwing money, you know, and do something, you know, on voice and let's put it into the, I guess, give it to in the, into the hands of the, the agencies or the experts, you know, to decide what to do, you know, just being part of it and having, having that first mover benefit and 
maybe already claiming some some categories or claiming some some invocation names you know some topics that you are right there from the very beginning and that's the benefit of it collecting experience you know and seeing how it, how it works and when the adoption you know is there you already have that all that these first barriers you you have to take when you enter a new field a new ecosystem you already crossed all these bridges and you are there to deliver actual value you know and in the best ux possible in that space and that's was like i would say the, the first one and a half years or so then we saw that people invested into some sort of strategy you know and yeah building teams and departments for that uh, for conversational interfaces in general maybe with a few people focusing on on chatbots and a few people um, on voice assistant you know, and then we've seen that in like this, these signatures and emails, you know, then it started to get like voice AI consultant or, you know, voice okay. technology expert or voice UI designer. So these roles, you know, these roles in this, these teams just evolved over the last two years, I'd say. So, yeah, you, you managed to position yourself actually as kind of a, an influencer, as you said, in the field, because you started quite early, you you. And now, where do you see this going? So the adoption is still going on. It's in, in Germany, we look to like 18 million smart speakers or so, according to the latest studies there are. And generally, I think in the US, the adoption like flattened, the curve flattened a bit over the last one and a half years, but there are like so like millions, millions of users, because they started one or two years earlier with Amazon Alexa in the US than we started. And we now see that companies have like, they did their first use cases and published this apps and, and, and skills and actions and all that stuff to the marketplaces. And now it's check in, so to speak, on what have we done in the past? Are we going to move forward there? And What's the actual strategy behind it and how can we focus on certain aspects maybe of our product or how can we develop maybe new products, you know, out of these experiences you made previously. And we now see that it takes more time, you know, to work on these projects. It's not like these, like in four weeks, we have to publish something and just go ahead. It's like going one step back, looking at the actual context information we get from users, you know, doing more research and actual user testing and then bringing an MVP to the marketplace and then evolve and develop, you know, from step by step. And this is from the outside, it seems like the pace is going know backwards or down somehow but all that stuff that we create right now is really well elaborated and tested and brings real value you know and relevance for all users the status quo so to speak yeah it's interesting because you're kind of at the beginning of i don't know i'm gonna call it like a discipline on its own right that obviously sits with other disciplines you talked about the strategy it's it's integrated it's part of the entire strategy of you know a company or part of the experience strategy someone's creating also can you give like an example or a use case let's say you worked on that kind of helped transform if you want the experience via voice but you know not only it can be part of a project so whatever kind of example you want to give now we we are working from many 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 different verticals you know starting from the entertainment industry 
because like accessing media content, including uh, radio podcasts, the earbooks is, is a thing in, in Germany, you know, these, these audio plays are a thing in, in Germany. So this is a very, very good use case, you know, for these smart speakers to, to accessing media. Discovery is a different story, you know, that's that's like the biggest challenge right now to that your content gets found somehow, you know, and people are or knowing that you that you are there and that you have these all this content available for your users and there is no more explanation or this is like the most obvious one of the most obvious use cases for these smart speakers but we've seen some other companies you know from retail trying to elaborate if they can sell their products or place their products, you know, in the voice eco space, then a hospitality, you know, booking a hotel for, for instance, is one thing that can be easier and faster via voice, except especially for returning customers, you know, or existing customers. And I would say the, one of the most promising things right now is the automotive space, you know, and see how you can maybe interact with your car from your home or how to interact or interact with your car when you are driving you know because this is also from security reasons and accessibility and like convenience reasons one of the i would say right now and for the future these like out of home on the go use cases are really really interesting and a lot of companies are investigating right now how they cannot just only conquer the the living rooms, you know, and bathrooms and the kitchen, but yeah. also outside, you know, outside your apartment. How to uh, create value there and, and use cases out of out of home for mobile usage. Ad break. No, not an ad. But as you may have noticed, this show has no sponsors. But you can still support Gut Talks by leaving five stars or a comment on your podcast player and like share and follow the social media channels of gut double g u double t all links are in the show notes now let's get going yeah i like the way you put it like conquer the kitchen and the toilets and so on because you know one of the maybe most cliche example is taking over your uh, fridge <laughs> yeah <laughs> this like i think sets the scene pretty much everyone's seen that one i guess but going back a little bit i want to talk a little bit about the data here so mm -hmm. how does it work who's collecting the data who's owning the data like how ethical can that be also yeah. i don't know if you're also involved in that process in you know collecting the mm. data where does it sit the whole security around it it's a really interesting question we face these concerns very very often when we talk to companies we talk on conferences or community events you know people always yeah complain about the data security and yeah being like monitored and from the big platforms you know and that every recording uh, lands in the the email inbox from Jeff Bezos you know something like this <laughs> but so it's it's really important to talk about it we know how the the technology the underlying technology works you know but we also know that the systems are not recording every single word you say and store it somewhere in in the cloud and making decisions for advertisement based on the things you said to amazon alexa for instance or so it's one of the value propositions i mean having that fast access to a lot of information and 
having access to a lot of companies, publishers, and products via voice. And that's not working without like any internet connection, you know, having real-time data available to you, what's the weather or what like the stock value is of some of some stocks or so. That's one thing is not working, you know, with the, these prerequisitions of having access to or having some a lot of features and, and content in the cloud, you know. So basically it's recording once you set the, the wake word, you know, then it's recording your voice, of course. And when you say the wake word to your smart speaker and then spell out your credit card number or other like like very sensitive information that's depending on you, you know, you have to be aware that now when you talk to someone or to something, then it will listen to you, you know, and remember. This, yeah, <laughs> for sure. And this is uh, recorded for sure and will be sent to the cloud and transcribed into written word, written text. And that text can then be interpreted and the service of, of Amazon Alexa, for instance, then detects the intent, you know, what the user wants to know or wants to uh, or asked about. And then your application that lives on your own infrastructure, your server or something is then capable or should be capable to give the appropriate answer to that certain question or request. And the voice service helps you to transcribe your written text, you know, your text from your database, for instance, into spoken word again. You know, that's where the magic happens from turning text, turning speech to text, and then text to speech again. So, I mean, this will obviously take time for each person's infrastructure. How smart is your own device? <laughs> it has the same intelligence like your device has. So it's the intelligence and how smart the system is or some... I mean, how much did you feed your system? That's what I mean, actually, to be that responsive yeah. to you in that sense. From a user perspective or from like a developer or a publisher perspective? user perspective i'm not training the system for my personal experience i'm training the system that the so that the system gets more intelligent and smarter over time that's like you're feeding the whole brain of it you know yeah. and not just the single part you are using you can create voice profiles already on the systems and have it detecting your voice profile better you know you know, that unique voice profile of you to distinguish between certain household members for instance you know and giving them relevant information or the correct and the best or the the most listened playlist on spotify or something but in general you're feeding the public system or the public intelligence of a system for so that it's accessible and gets better for everyone and not just only for you. There's two things here, actually. The fact that, you know, people might worry and, you know, rightly about their data being stored and so on. I mean, with our phones today, everything is stored anyway. Everything is known about us. If when you sleep, when you move, when you go here, there, whatever you do, literally. So yeah. this is just one more thing that might not change a lot, but maybe improve your experience in certain ways if this is the way you want things to be. Again, it depends on the scenarios, right? You spoke about retail, automotive, and whatever. But one thing about data, I think collecting data to store generic data to better understand, you know, people in general and do something about it that is meaningful is not wrong, right? No. It's a good thing. But again, it depends on the perception and 
yeah, when you think about those big corporations, you know, uh, now digital yeah. natives, right, that hold all, all of our data and so on. But at the end of the day, we make this choice. So yeah. it's a tough one. You're absolutely right. And the platform or the technology has the, its value proposition within its name. It's a digital personal assistant. And from my understanding, it has to be personal. It has to know something about me to provide relevant information to me, you know, and not like treating me like everyone else, you know, and that's really annoying for people and users out there. When you interact with a company or a certain app or so, and it behaves all the time in the same way when we just met for the first time, so to speak, you know, we learn about each other over time. That's a natural thing, uh, you know, between humans to know something about the conversation partner and then skipping all irrelevant content and topics and providing the best possible solution and the best possible recommendation for, for something to you, you know? And that's something you have that's done by design, you know? And that's not only the job of the AI, you know, or of the, the system, it's most of the part most of the personalization and intelligence and how smart a system is comes by design and that's why we always go for easier faster more convenient and if we can put a check mark on these three terms for our ux then we can move forward it's an interesting aspect i did a podcast with joe pine from the experience economy for him easier faster more convenient is not what he wants <laughs> you know again it depends on um, what you're trying to achieve sometimes you do want something easier right it's not like yeah it's not you're not gonna give your time and money just to spend more time in that sense so it really i think depends on the use case yeah um, <laughs> and it's something we have we had to learn you know in the beginning people love to use their timers and control their lights via voice, for instance. You know, that's a super tiny use case. You know, it's it's so easy, but people love it and use it like 12 times a day, you know? And in the beginnings, a lot of people just ask, yeah, why do I need like an egg timer, you know, for 50 euros or so? Why should I buy such a technology? Or why should people use that? And there has to be more in it, more complex conversations and dialogues. And we were always like fighting for these, these use cases where you can like get an insurance contract done via voice or like buy a car, you know, via voice or something. But we've learned over time that these little tiny use cases are perfect to get used to the technology. You use it every day, you know, and why not providing this like, niche product or use case, which people love you for, and not like uh, we have the most complex conversation UX out in the market. Nobody is using it, you know? And now, especially these times when you are eight hours per day in, in Zoom calls and Teams meetings, you don't want to have like a one-hour conversation with your voice assistant in the evening. You would just want to do shout out the right the, the command or the wish you have or the request you have and get the answer and not like super long lasting like answers and and information you know it's, it's like in the right point of time providing the right piece of information and as as quick as possible that's i think that's that's key to 
to better UX in, in the voice yeah. space. Yeah, mm. it, it's so true, actually, what you just said, that to get used to it. And we need those small use cases just to get acquainted with, because it's a new thing that not every, not everyone is an early adopter, so it needs time. And it, it goes back, actually, years ago. I mean, I remember once my grandfather was listening to his radio early in the morning. He would start his radio maybe at 5 a.m. And I remember once he didn't like what he was listening on the news because I was sleeping at my grandparents' place long time ago and he started screaming at the radio so yeah we do have this thing right naturally as humans we're voicey somehow so just it it goes back to it just reminded me of that that it's not an unnatural behavior as humans to talk to machines quick one does it work with dogs and animals by the way are there use cases for uh, like (laughs) a household with two three dogs and a few cats would know how to (laughs) to be like disturbing or destroying the whole ux because there are noises and all that stuff you you mean or do you think that or are you asking for if if a dog can interact with alexa yeah or if the dog (laughs) is barking too much and then alexa would know and uh, do some play some, I don't know, sort of music or or give this calming voice from the owner who's not home. No. I don't know. No, currently it's not working. But I know that there's done a lot of research to, for instance, detect if someone's sick, you know, a, a startup from Germany had one product not working on smart speakers, but in a, in a mobile app to detect if you're if you are corona positive, you know, just via your voice and voice profile, for instance. So there's a lot of research going on right now to detect emotions, for instance, and other noises next to like spoken language, you know. One thing that has been rolled out in the US is that Amazon Alexa can detect if your glass is breaking in your apartment, you know, and then send an alert to your smartphone or to you to tell you that there might someone breaking into your house, you know. That's a little bit like, I know that Audi, for example, if if you do a car accident or something, they call you from the car. So it's the same concept, right? Somehow, yeah. There are like physical... Crash or something. Cra- yeah, yes. Detections going on and or on sensors, they, they trigger. Now here it's just by listening, you know, to yeah. the sound of broken glass or when the glass breaks and then send you a notification. So whoever is listening, just put unbreakable glass. <laughs> Triply. Yeah. <laughs> but dogs or animals or education, uh, if you put it in a broader context, is a real interesting use case. And we started off with animal sounds as one of our first uh, skills we released on our own, you know, as 169 Labs, not uh, for, for a customer, just to explore how like audio and sound and, and UX is, is working in the early days of Amazon Alexa here in Germany. And it's still one of the very, very often used skills, you know, asked for the sound of a dog, of a cat. Um, we've worked uh, together with like some, with a bird a bird nerd, you know, and we have the sound of like thousands of birds right now wow. uh, put into that. And you, one, it's very funny, you know, to use or it's fun to use. But on the other hand, it's an educational thing you now for kids or for people who want to know the, the sound of a certain, certain animal. Thank you for this. There's something I didn't ask you about. We didn't touch on this at all, actually. Can you tell us a bit about your, your conference? Sure. So I told you that uh, we invested a lot in the first year of our company 
and that also included to share and we still do that to share our knowledge and everything we learned so we when we came back from our first trip to the us where we attended a conference there we thought okay this something like this has to happen in, in germany or the, for, for the european community and that was somehow the beginning of our brand all about voice and under that umbrella we run conference that took place in person and now moved into virtual um, on like once a quarter uh, more or less where we invite industry uh, experts from germany but also from from other countries and talk about like the current evolvements and developments in invoice and we also run a podcast uh, called all about voice and yeah series of workshops you know invite only events where we have like one company or various people from different companies and running like design sprints or so you know and everything under the the umbrella and with the mission to share our knowledge with as many people as possible to actually push the ecosystem and bring it to the next level and it's i think that's key to talk about the stuff you're doing and to share your experience to share your products or your references you know to see what you're doing and to take part in interviews like this and to share the, the, the to spread the word about about voice ui thank you tim and your voice is heard <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much Yeah, I attended uh, one of your conferences. It was really cool because you, you you find really some interesting products and have those, you know, quick presentations. So I, I'm going to post all the links actually in the description. Anything you so else much. you would like to add? Or, uh... um, it's the first steps are very, very hard. Or no, they are very, very easy because it seems to be so easy to create voice uh, user interfaces. You know, it's like... You're saying something to the system and it just responds. You know, it's like, what the heck is then the complex part of it? But uh, you will see that once you've done the first steps, it's getting a bit uh, more complex to care about the things and to anticipate the things that might go wrong in the conversation. And there's a lot we know from like human interaction that conversations can absolutely go in the wrong, into the wrong direction. And that's where the challenging, but also the very interesting part starts. And um, it's very, very good to see that it's so easy to get the first like prototype out and, and you know, creating. I just came back from, from a workshop last week when I traveled to, to Hamburg and we went out with a small prototype at the end of the day, you know, because we spent the afternoon on juggling around some dialogues and features and thought, okay, let, let's, let's listen to it, how it could sound. And that's, I would say, easier than building a complex website, you know, within one hour, you know, to see how the our new landing page could look like. So that's easier in, in voice. And that gives you the opportunity to bring your ideas super fast to life or to a first testable prototype and that's really magical for us still for us but also for our, our um, clients and customers and then it gets uh, really interesting and challenging and that's why it's so interesting every day to work on these products because you're facing new problems every day that nobody else had before you you know it's there's no stack overflow ticket you know for that 
you have to be creative and find workarounds and solutions for your problems. And that's why I think voice UX will be key and mandatory for future UX experts or researchers to take into account. Thank you so much. Thank you, Maria, for the invitation. You are listening to Gut Talks by Maria Matloub. To support the show, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with anyone who could benefit from listening to these stories and experiences. To continue the conversation, join the Telegram channel. All links are in the show notes. Thanks for listening and see you next time.